Hello and welcome. I am Caleb Ferris. I'm Candy Parker. And I'm Greg Osborne. And this is Action Surge, a podcast where hungover heroes and depressed demons alike can listen to us sages give shitty opinions on all things D&D. Each week we will discuss different aspects of D&D from character creation and world development to the ridiculous antics we have gotten away with in our own campaigns. Okay, welcome back to Action Surge. This is uh, the episode where we talk about encounters and BBEG creation. Um, so starting out, let's talk about how to build an encounter and what an encounter is. Everyone? So I, I think, well, this is Greg. One of the, uh, <laughs> hi, everybody. Hi, Greg. Uh, I, I think, uh, I'll just jump right in here where angels fear to thread. Um, I, I think that one of the, common misconceptions about encounters is that it's just monster fights and that's you know that nothing could be further from the truth uh an encounter could be a room full of traps or a uh, wise old woman who wants to impart information an encounter can be how you deal with the merchant are you going to Buy his goods, or are you going to be a full-on murder hobo? Are you going to steal from him, or whatever? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, these are all encounters. So uh, that, that's pretty much yeah, the definition of an encounter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you? How do you, what goes into designing a calendar? If you already have a campaign set in place and your players are going to wherever they're going to, what's kind of the first thing that comes into mind whenever you think about? Uh, starting an encounter, building an encounter. Caleb, how do you do it? I mean, you got to set the tone early. I feel like you got to let them know what they're in for, for with the campaign for not just encounters with, with, uh, you know, for, you know, antagonistic forces. You need to have them encounters with, you know, what do the people look like? What do they sound like? How are they treating you? Uh, to be able to understand more so what the world and the different cultures that they're encountering are going to be like. Um, <laughs> my favorite encounters, um, and it's going to, you know, put a lot of the the work of the good people at Wizards of the Coast uh, to shame uh, or, you know, maybe just shame on me. But uh, my favorite encounters are with humans or just straight run of the mill humanoids versus like monsters. Versus, like, monsters. Yeah. Monsters are fun as hell. But like, I don't know. I very much take again, like I probably, I probably said this before. I very much take the, the Witcher stance of the worst monsters are humans. <laughs> right okay. they're they're versatile they're they're guaranteed for the most part like somewhat intelligent and, and you never yeah. know if they're going to be awful or great yeah, yeah. you never know uh <laughs> roll, awful. roll insight you know it, it's not, it's not very hard to roll an insight you know on a, a balhanoth right there you know, yeah. they're, you know they're, 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 they're there to eat you yeah and it, it does add an additional like moral quandary you're like these are humans is it okay that i murder them right yeah <laughs> you're like is this an appropriate reason to murder them because i didn't want to pay the toll i'm not sure right <laughs> and it's yeah. an additional question they so so ask. When you, uh, i'm sorry to interrupt when no, you when you uh jump in there caleb and you're you're setting your encounters up you've got this long-standing campaign and you you, know, you have a direction that's going and you have player characters and they understand the tone now you're just developing encounters um, are, do you try to tend to be more linear about that or are you more, uh, kind of, uh, free form? Um, linear in what way as in encounters that make, that make sense to the story or. So as, you know, uh, as I've played in the past, uh, you know, the, the term railroading, that's, that's, uh, I really dislike the term railroading, uh, because I, I feel like there, there's a, there's a place for what I consider linear gameplay. So yeah. linear progression uh, or railroading, I, I really take exception to uh, the term railroading because there's a place for that uh, in certain games. If you're doing a old school uh, dungeon crawl, that's, <laughs> that, that is, you know, you're, you are moving through a dungeon and there are only so many paths you can take. It is very quote-unquote railroading yeah um but i think most people uh now don't do dungeon crawls anymore no it's not it's very like the thing now just like with 
uh, like the progression of video games is everything. Everyone expects an open world that they can interact with. Big, big sandbox. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's great. Um, but that does put a lot of pressure on game masters, I think, you know, an enormous and, amount. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, there's, there is a little bit of frustration, I think, in, you know, <clears throat> you develop this encounter, you go, man, okay, I've got the, the Assassin King and I've got his five guards and, you know, all these things and they're all set up in the Blue Lotus Palace and this is going to be great. And the characters are like, great, we're going to go buy bagels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then you have to quickly think up a way of just more than, hey, yeah, they've got uh, bagels. Um, <laughs> it's at yeah, the Blue Lotus the, Palace. This is not the encounter. This is, <laughs> this is an encounter. This isn't an encounter, just not the one I had planned. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, you, as a game master or a dungeon master, you have to be able to kind of pivot. Um, and and how, how do you how do you deal with that as, as a DM? It's, it's hard because uh, there's some people out there that will just throw around, like, the word railroading just to make you feel bad as a dungeon master. And sometimes it's, it's completely correct. Sometimes people... It, it's very obvious the dungeon master wants you to go in a direction and he will have he and or she will have no other way uh than this one direction and sometimes that can make players go oh okay that's yeah. a little railroady however there's there's a i feel like i think you were saying like there's a time and a place for it and that like i think that as a player it's okay to railroad your players a little bit like it's it's mostly like the DM has to have the capabilities to think of all of the possible decisions that a player can make. And that's just not really feasible for every DM. But like, you know, as a DM, you can think of, you know, four or five, maybe that's even too many of like options for your place players to go after maybe an arc ends or whatever. But like, have some, you know, flexibility in saying that like, my DM has other things to do than come up with 20 options for where my players can go. Yeah. That kind of ties into what we've talked about in the past where, you know, it's, this is a cooperative game and in cooperative games, you have to have communications, good communications and constant communication. Um, if you're not talking to your, your, uh, players as a dungeon master, or if you're not take, talking to your dungeon master as a player, that's, that's going to create, Difficult, yeah, yeah, just unnecessary difficulties, problems of what you want to create and what they want to encounter, right? So you know, I in in that respect, personally, what I try to do is I try to do like leading questions, you know, especially as we paired or wind down uh, a session, you know, and I'm looking to prepare for the next week's game. I'm like, okay, so you've just done this encounter X. And you've completed it, and you're looting the bodies, and you know, good for you, you little murder hobos. But <laughs> right. where, where do you think you're going to go next? What's the, you know, what's your next progression? And that's that's a perfectly reasonable question to ask. And it's also okay for the characters to come up with a better idea next week. So you still have to be flexible a little bit. Right. But you know, it's a. Uh, it, it, it's definitely a consideration and a concern. Yeah, no, there's a million factors that go into what an encounter should be and how, like how appropriate it is for the for the players and for the setting, and if it's just the right time, if it's just the right time for an encounter. Sure. And um, and sometimes you know you can go about spending like I, I did one time on a couple like a couple hours on a really interesting encounter, and then people all of a sudden go. Actually, we're not going to go that the obvious direction we talked about going last session. We're not going there anymore. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you're like, "Shit!" <laughs> and you just rip up all of your virtual maps that you spent hours creating, and then you cry. Uh, but then it's also, you know, the players chose to do that, and that's totally what they're allowed to do, and that's pretty cool as well. But it's yeah. sometimes. So I, I would say, make a few maps. If you are a map maker like me, make a few maps. Uh, especially ones that are, you know, not so specific geographically, so you can reuse them, because uh, you will get burned. Oh yeah! Maximize your time. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So let's say that we're on the right track. We're heading to an encounter. The 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 people kidnapped the whatever. Someone kidnapped whatever, and you're you're going to rescue the whoever's. <laughs> we're we're getting ready to go there. What do you? What's your next step? So you need to come up with enemies. You need to. So here's here's what I do from an organizational standpoint. What I do is I I going in. 
I have kind of the, the storyline, right? Uh, because typically we have an overarching story mm-hmm. um, in, in the game. But then I also have in my back pocket, I try to do, as, as the players level up, I try to have a level-appropriate filler encounter. And, you know, that can be anything. And I, and I try to mix it up. I try to have a combat filler encounter. I try to have a non-combat filler encounter. Mm-hmm. And I try to have, like, a puzzle or a riddle mm-hmm. type encounter and that way you know if uh the the player characters i'm like okay you know you've you've found the ring of power and you're working towards figuring this out and the library stands crested on the hill bathed in a golden light we go get bagels oh okay cool flip page past my library encounter and then I, I'm like, okay, well, I've got bandits, and I've got, and you know, the woman with the with a uh, mm-hmm. side quest. I've got the uh, kidnapped, escaped, kidnapped teen, and I've got a. The bagels are actually uh, mimics, and right, what, whatever you know. Yeah. But but I can take I can take any of those pre-established things. I'm like, okay, you get to the bagel shop, and bandits have attacked. They're stealing the bagels. Right. <laughs> what, do you, what do you do? I want my bagels. Yeah, you they're protect taking, the bagels. They're taking the cream cheese too. <laughs> yeah. The jalapeno kind. They, and they've eaten all of it. <laughs> they, there's one tub of blueberry cream cheese left. What do you do? What do you do? I threw my axe. <laughs> I threw my axe. <laughs> so you know the, these are uh, these are you know like I said my my I keep them in my back pocket they're my back pocket encounters. And what's really great is you can scale those. So, you know, there are, there are first level bandits and there are 10th level bandits. Yeah. And as your characters go along, now, as you start getting a little higher in level, you know, maybe bandit isn't appropriate and you have to kind of abandon that as a hip pocket idea and you have to start coming up with more level appropriate things. You know? So that's a good, that's a good discussion yeah. is what is leveled appropriate? How do you determine a fitting encounter for a party, especially with different sizes of parties or well, different I, you know the the standard answer the 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 D answer is cr ratings you know so what is a cr rating uh well my personal opinion is it's garbage okay but uh you yeah. know it's everybody <laughs> yeah it, well for the viewers explain to us you know what is a cr rating and why does it matter uh cr rating started i think in third edition as the game kind of progressed to um, make it reasonable and fun it's it's not fun when your second little characters come out and they kick in the door and as a door is the you know ninth level uh spell casting lich that just decimates you at a glance you all turn to powder it's it's the worst yeah um so what cr does is try to uh put a mathematic bend or bent to uh, how to design these encounters so that they don't become too overpowered or too underpowered. It's also terrible when you're a level, you know, 15 character and you kick in the door and there are three goblins. Right. You know, the one, what your first person to act kills all three of them. It can be humbling though to burst in and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're like a reminder of how powerful you are to come in and all of a sudden there's just these poor bandits. <laughs> and, and and you just decimate them, and just to remind you of like what you're capable of. Sure. Like that, uh, no, I think that's uh, that's a fantastic point, and right. you know that's it's, another version of an encounter, but sure. for different purposes, right? And <clears throat> yeah, the, there's definitely a, a, a time and a space, I think, for uh, showing showcasing mm-hmm. your powers and skills. Um, so having just an even, you know, very close encounter. Those are those are fun, and uh, for purposes of uh, narrative and dramatic, you know, nail biting, 
suspense, yeah, you want to have those balanced encounters, but sometimes it's very important to remind so, your player characters sorry, go ahead. Uh, either that they are very, very powerful or that the bad guy is also can be very, 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 very powerful. Mm -hmm. Right. So I guess like, um, say you have a standard mix of maybe four to five players. There's, uh, spellcasters and melee range people, whatever standard mix of players. And they're going to go fight a whatever. How do you make sure that like, I guess like, how do you decide if, you want to just like dominate them or if they, if you want the players to dominate the well, enemy yeah, or sometimes you don't even get to decide that. <laughs> so, okay. So how do you go about like deciding how many enemies you're going to have or how, how many hit points your enemy is going to have? Or like whenever you're thinking about an encounter, what do you, what, what kind of elements are you incorporating to make sure that like it's going to, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, down to it, it goes to your familiarity with monsters, your familiarity with your uh, your PC's abilities, and their ten and even more so their tendencies during combat, uh, and uh, essentially of what what you want them to face and how appropriately you can do that, both thematically for where you are in the story as well as where you are geographically, um, and what you would think would just be bombed fight, <laughs> right? Like uh, like there was one time when we had the the old Wednesday campaign. Uh, you guys went into this part of the woods that was part of the, this, this land that was scarred by war, including chemical warfare for, and it had been a place of warfare for hundreds of years, uh, just north of the city in an unnatural, like, mountain pass. Um, and you guys ended up, were in the woods, and I had discovered this creature just a few days ago. And you guys went to take a rest. You found merchants that were that were obviously dead, mm -hmm. uh, and their stuff though wasn't stolen. It was just damaged and in the muck. And then all of a sudden, you know, coming out of the trees are five wigwams, which are just ancient, new, very very neutral, transformed druids that are now just pieces of wood that are that have an eighteen AC, uh, eighty something health each. And do 44 damage with their clubs and are resistant to piercing damage. That fucked up our party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like all in all, like, and these things are only CR5. And I fuck, I, <laughs> I really damaged you guys until, yeah. until you suddenly realize that fire is good against wood. Yeah. So it's really messed and, them up. And that's, and I think that's a really important point is that, uh, D&D is such a nuanced game, right? I mean, uh, you can build min-maxed or optimized characters or not. Um, and if you have a, a table with four players, there's a good chance that you're going to have at least one player with a really optimized character and one character that's just, just a hair's breadth beyond comedic relief. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's just, you know, with, We've our current campaign right now. We've we've got we, a character we two. <laughs> two two comedic reliefs. There are yeah. awesome characters. I love the yeah. characters to death. No, They're they, so much fun to play with. I would die for them, right? <laughs> Which uh, you know is, is great, but it makes it very difficult to mathematically balance an encounter. Uh, and because you can't, you don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and there and there are some and there are some monsters that are just going to by nature of their makeup or, or their particular immunities or, or resistances are just going to be really difficult for your party you know if your if your party is a bunch of you know bow and arrow and rapiers and and spears and all all pokey pokey piercing weapons and you put something with immunity to piercing damage, your party's in trouble. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. yeah. It was uh, like that other encounter too, where you guys are up against um, recent encounter. Uh, there are these docks, and the uh, the leader of this group of bandits happens to be a uh, were bear. Which I gotta say, I think were creatures are vastly underused in D and D. <laughs> I think it's because they're cliche as hell, but they're cool as hell too. Uh, the only problem is that you have to use an action for them to be able to shape change into their their best forms for combat. Uh, otherwise, man, they don't just have resistance to piercing and slashing damage from non-silvered or magical weapons. They have immunity, yeah. right? 
Uh, yeah. like it was, it was a bit of a, uh, a, a shock whenever, uh, you know, one of the archers went pew pew and was going to do a ton of damage to this werebear. And I just said, you see them hit the bear and immediately fall out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the spellcaster comes in and is like, no problem. Lightning bolt. <laughs> right. <laughs> lightning bolt. Lightning bolt. And another lightning bolt. The action surge. Lightning bolt. <laughs> Wait, you're a spellcaster. How can you action surge? Action surge. <laughs> Shut up. Action surge. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into balancing these encounters. And um, while CR is a quick and dirty way to do it, Cobalt uh, Fight Club is a website you can Google uh, that, that helps with that. Um, I, I just don't like using it. You know, I, yeah. I, and, and I feel like sometimes that limits what, what your encounter is going to be. And we'll, we'll talk about this in a little bit when we talk about the BBEG, but, you know, personally, I think that it's more of an art than a science, especially the nuts and bolts. You know, when you, when you get past the kind of broad brush strokes of what this encounter is going to be, mm-hmm. you know, when you start trying to kind of stat out the bad guys to, to quote a little bit of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, it's you know, more of a guideline than an actual rule. Right? <laughs> you know, because so many people play D and D now, and you're always going to have those people like me who just super know the rules. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when I saw a bear, I was like, oh. Yep, they're immune to non-magic weapons. Okay, cool. Yeah, I don't have anything silver. Who who carries silver weapons? Um, us now. Us, actually, <laughs> actually, to remind you, Rold does have silvered arrows that he bought. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, because because Rold is crazy like that. Yeah. Um, also, because Rold is played by Greg. <laughs> <laughs> also, also true. But you know that there are. Uh, so my my point is is that there are. Uh, there are going to be players who, who know the rules and who know these, quote unquote, know these monsters. So what I love doing is I love taking, you know, standard creatures and modifying them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. So, you know, you, yeah, this is, oh, this, this is a fey bear. So, uh, point to your ears. Point to, Speak, point, point to your ears. Speaks in cursive. Right. <laughs> That's it. That's the only difference. That's the only difference. <laughs> well, that and the fact that you know they, they have they have immunity to everything except cold iron. Right. <laughs> you know, you're just mean. So, so you're you're stabbing it with your silver weapon. It's like no, no. But if you take out your frying pan, man, it's running. Yeah, yeah. Or all of a sudden, you remember those iron uh, uh, brass knuckles that you have, that right. Iron knuckles in your in right. that you bought as a oh, joke. And that's yeah. another. That's another really important thing. Is you know, if you're going to do something like that, don't set your players up to fail, right? Because yeah, no. that's that that's would be really frustrating. That would be what we call mean <laughs> yes yeah so i guess like like what what are some like fun encounters that you guys have built or just played in and like your time as a, as uh, a- so i i have a, a a game world that i've been working on that's D set slightly in the future where actual adventurers and and such have kind of evolved past you know the the fantasy medieval setting and now uh, dungeon crawling is an entertainment. And so there are actual dungeon masters in this world that build dungeons for the equivalent of television. And the player characters are just inter- sport entertainers in this world. They're and like semi-professional. Sem- semi-professional or amateur, you yeah. know, depending dungeon on your crawlers. level. Dungeon crawlers, yeah. right? <laughs> you, you, and, and they just go through and dungeon crawl and compete against other teams that are mm-hmm. also dungeon crawling. Feel free to steal this. I love this idea. Um, but anyway, one of the one of the ideas that I have currently is the quote unquote dungeon that the PCs are supposed to fight in mm-hmm. is going to be a series of pillars that are about thirty feet around and about ten feet tall, and they're in a room that's filled with water. So they stick about ten feet above the water, but in the water. Are zombies? Oh no! Right, you can't see them, but they're but they're but they're in there. They don't need to breathe. They don't need to breathe. They're just under the water, 
and you know, and so you, you, if you, if you have a, oh, that is spooky. <laughs> I don't like that. Greg. I don't like that, Greg. <laughs> if, you have, if you have a high passive perception, you'll see white clammy hands slapping <laughs> on the bottom of these pillars. But uh, what, <laughs> what are what are just randomly around these pillars are are runes that are difficult to see. DC fifteen to see them. Uh, I am taking notes. Just yeah, so you know. <laughs> and it and it just casts the catapult spell. So if you step on it, boing, it, just, it just throws you. <laughs> it just throws it, you. It up. eats you into zombie water. It, 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 it eats you in a random direction and a random distance. You might hit another pillar. You might land in the water. You don't want to land in the water. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's so you know the the objective of the quote unquote dungeon is that uh, there is a one pillar that has a collection of. Uh, of bad guys that I'm not going to discuss because I am going to use this in the future. <laughs> um, so you have to get there and you have to defeat those guys. But there are also other teams, other quote unquote players mm-hmm. that are NPCs that are, that are moving through. And it is such a great world because, you know, you get to meet the other NPC players right. beforehand and you got the meatheads or, yeah. Hey, oh, 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 yeah, we're going to totally beat you guys. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to win. We're going to, yeah. uh, yeah. I'm gonna, like the strongest. My dad bought me all this cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it's like, you know, my dad was semi-pro, <laughs> right? He was in triple A. He was in triple A crawl. Right. So, you know, oh man, it's so fun. But you know, that was that's the encounter. This particular campaign is super railroady, right? Right, because yeah. it's it's you know out, outside of dungeons, it's your regular life with your cell phones, and right? Your, yeah. your college drama, and then yeah, and, inside and the dungeon, been, it's literally a dungeon. It's been there's so, one way out. It has <laughs> been so fun to build this world because you know there's a there's a cast co. <laughs> you know, where you just go and you buy bulk magic items. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I want to li- I want that to be the world that we live in. Where I can just go buy bulk magic items. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, you can <laughs> you can go to Target and you can buy a wand of magic missiles, but you can go to Castco and you can buy a case of magic missile wands, and it's like ten percent off. Nice the total cost. Of that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, nice. Ooh. So yeah. Anyway, that's uh. What about you, Caleb? What anything? Anything as fun, as as, as, as <laughs> no, absolutely I mean, bonkers as that? Okay, I mean, Greg, you don't get to go first. Do you guys remember? Do we need to pause for a second? <laughs> I loved your Balhanoth encounter. I thought yeah, the Balhanoth is great just because with with so uh, what was the Balhanoth? The Balhanoth is a is an aberration that is from the Shadowfell. And often, uh, you know, with their lore, they're often captured by drow to be used as guardians or as something to use to cut off escapes uh, by enemies and all that. And they are these really weird, somewhat intelligent aberrations, so almost alien-like creatures with kind of spiky tendrils, very similar spiky tendrils to, like, displacer beasts. Uh, but they can, their layer, like, their layer actions and their legendary actions are bonkers. They can take extra bites which do an, like an average of over 20 points of damage. They have, uh, they can do three attacks. Uh, whenever they, uh, whenever they hit you with their, uh, with their tendrils, it's automatically grappled. No checks until your turn. Uh, they can teleport up to 60 feet for no reason. <laughs> no reason. And, and then on a layer action, if they see you, you need to make a wisdom save or they teleport you up to 60 feet of anywhere they see. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and so their one downfall is that they have, you know, relatively low hit points. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You you did this one encounter in our previous campaign on Wednesday that uh, it had, like, uh, you had lair actions. There were a bunch of enemies. It was, like... When one of the arcs was coming to a fold, and we were like trying oh, to rescue yeah, one of the yeah, players. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just had a. Uh, these were all homebrewed. These were yeah. essentially mutated drow that had, uh, through their devotion to Lolf, uh, had. And in this world, drow aren't inherently evil. Because first off, that's just dumb, and we're not going to go into it. We will, we will, just in future episodes. <laughs> yeah. uh, that uh, through their devotion to Lolf, um, had essentially undergone mutations. Mm-hmm. Uh, that had given them extra eyes. Some of them had extra limbs, uh, and all of them had like different uh, kinds of like teeth 
mm-hmm. and all that. And it gave them either more, like it essentially gave them more hit points, uh, gave them the ability if they needed to, to climb up walls. Um, they hit harder. Um, it just really depended on what they were. Yeah. Um, and I'm forgetting the name of them because it was so long ago that I created for them. But um, they were just fun because, again, they were me using my fascination with humanoids and then just making them a little bit different. <laughs> and I think they also had resistance to poison damage. Mm-hmm. And that's why they could be next to you during the, the layer actions that I had, which gave – this is another cool too, thing, too, is have layer actions that do damage, but just a little bit at a time. But it stacks. Right, yeah. like like two d six straight poison damage. You really don't think it's a big deal. You're like, until, oh, four until, damage here, five damage here. Until three rounds later, you've taken almost twenty points of poison damage. Yeah, yeah. For a high level party, that can that can mean that can be the difference when you're fighting a bunch of different yeah. people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we've nursed encounters. Unless anybody else has anything else to say, not not for no. right now. No, okay. I just feel incredibly intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, it's just like, what about you, Caleb? It's like, shit, nothing I've done is interesting at all. I was like, sure, I've homebrewed a bunch of creatures, but now no, I'm just like, nothing beats zombie water. Well, not right now. <laughs> not right now in your mind, but maybe later when we're done recording, you'll think of something cool. Yeah. I would like to say, though, that just real quick, with anything in D&D, is steal ideas. And I, I don't want anybody to feel like I am like this savant of, of the Emmy because I stole that straight up stole that from JK Rowling, you know, really? yeah. You know, when, oh. when they're in the boat, they're trying to get over to the, the last Horcrux or one of the last Horcrux yeah. inside the cave. And then there's zombies in the water. I was like, Oh, uh, that's, yeah. that's terrifying. Zombies yeah. in the water. And I was like, we're going to use that. It's okay. It's really yeah. because I'm afraid of that simply because I've thought of it from this, this one book that I think is called the zombie survival guide, in which they talk about how uh, zombies can very well be in the water. So you need to avoid bodies of water. Right. And I remember that just terrifying me. And that's why I freaked out so much. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, yeah. So there's, there's one level. There's just a uh, zombie water. And that's why we don't go to lakes. That's why we avoid open water at all costs. Yeah. No. Excellent. Yeah. Anyways. Good, good and call. on that note, we're going to take a little break and we'll come back to talk about the BBEG. Hey guys, it's Candy here. And Caleb. And we just want to jump in and say, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review if you like the show. And on Spotify, don't forget to give us a follow and a download. And follow us on our social medias. Like Twitter at Surge underscore Action. And TikTok and Instagram at Action Surge Pod. Um, Leave us a comment or send us an email. Tell us what you guys want to hear next on the pod. And back to the podcast. All right, welcome back. We're going to talk about BBEG creation. So let's go ahead and start this with what is BBEG? What What is BBEG? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so BBEG stands for, it's an acronym for Big Bad Evil Guy, right? Or girl. Or or girl, yeah, that's right. Uh, cheek for the girl, or you know, your non non binary evil. B B E N E. Yeah. Non binary evil. Non. N B E. Anyways, you can work that out. You can work. You can work that out in your home games. Yeah, that's not up to us. But B B E G is often it's first off it's in every meme ever because it's the most classic D and D that you can have, which is a main antagonist. The one person or thing that represents the force that is fighting against the the objectives of your crew. That's a lot more nuanced nowadays with the more sandboxy open world games. So is the BBEG the big final level 20 monster that you fight? Or is it like just a monster, like the big guy in the encounter that you're fighting it in, could be, at any level? It could be all those things. I am personally a very big believer in having many BBEGs. Because having just one antagonist, here's the thing, you can do whatever you want. You can have the evil organization that is, you need to destroy them at all points. They are the BBEG. Or like you can have the, the Draco Lich that is going to come and end the world. You can totally have that. That's fine. I think it's more interesting to have multiple. And these BBEGs may not be necessarily friendly with each other either, right? Oh yeah, I, I, I love that idea. In, in my games, I think that what I tend to do is I have either a 
a BBEG, not necessarily monolithic. It can be you know, different groups, antagonistic groups. But I also like to have a comparable leveled antagonist or rival. I love those. Mm-hmm. I love, you know, I talked earlier about the, you know, the game world where dungeon crawling is now an entertainment. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a recurring team of non-player characters that compete against the player characters. Mm-hmm. And and they're just they're just douchebags. They're the they worst. have a stupid. They, they the worst part is they have a really cool name, <laughs> <laughs> but they entered it first. <laughs> yes, and, and, you know, and and you know, and they've got slight advantage over the the player characters. You know, uh, so the, that gives that char- the player characters the scrappy underdog feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> my dad he bought all our equipment. You right, know, yeah. right. You know, it's uh, it's man. like I have the best trainer in the world. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, and and fight me. And, my dad and, is my pro. <laughs> <laughs> and to keep and to keep that going, you know, they have to win every once in a while. They have to beat the PCs, and yeah. it's and it's disheartening, and it's ang- it's anger inducing. And, 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 and the a, PCs can't win every time. And in a believe, and but also in a believable way, too. Right, right. Of like yeah. you know, maybe they got the easy room, or maybe uh, they just came out on top because of a fluke, or you know, maybe they literally did just power through positioning and, or just luck. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you guys stepped on three of the five. Catapulting geek rooms <laughs> into you know, the zombie water. You're, you're, you're fighting in zombie water <laughs> while these guys are, you know, trolling along, along, and they've got you know misty step. Or they just have skill and yeah, yeah. strategy, yeah. and sometimes and they're you're just good, you know. It, 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 yeah, right. They, they, they get everything from their parents, but their parents are also master tacticians, yeah. <laughs> right? And yeah. so you know, it's not necessarily that it's this big monolithic, big bad evil guy that you're competing against or. or fighting against and I love I love the idea of the kind of equal or or parody team that's moving along with you Mm -hmm. especially in levels like from one to ten you know in in that in that area you're really just growing when you're growing and you're you know but when you hit level 10 you're really kind of starting to peek into you know you are you're like you're like special forces level right now. right you're like, you're getting you're getting good that's for sure yeah you're you're starting to do some wonky stuff and you really should be trying to pivot the players I feel like at that point towards main goals uh, so basically BBEG is like a metaphor for uh, the antagonist yeah, yeah an, an antagonistic force yeah right. and it doesn't have to be one thing or several things it's it's basically just like a thing driving your players a thing that your players are fighting for yeah. or fighting against I mean, there's entire planes that are antagonistic like like if you think about it uh you could totally have like say the shadow fell is literally just an antagonistic existence hell Hell yeah, or the hells, sure. or yeah. but you can them. also sur- just survive in the hells, and too, like as well. Like, yeah. let's not yeah. go past the fact that you can just exist, exist and that. Whereas the shadow fell, everything just kind of wants to eat you. And one way or another, the void itself simply wishes only to consume you, right? Right. Uh, it can be quite esoteric, but I like the idea of like, like as you move up, there are like there's antagonists that 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 build that like. Yeah, uh, like your guys' recent antagonist in my campaign was was uh, a man named Julian was Julian Estavange, who was a a very a very French disposition uh, Bolisan man, who was the former viceroy of uh, of like this of like essentially what it was a colonial desert like uh, civilization. Um, and, like the thing is, is he's not exactly a bad guy. He's just an, an asshole imperialist. Who, uh, who through debilitation and desperation, um, sought, you know, not so great means to go about saving his own life from brain cancer while also maintaining the status quo in this, uh, in this, in this, you know, desert civilization of you are under the boot of the Bolisan Empire. Um, and it, that, that's just him. And then, you know, he's not exactly inherently bad. It's just, this is just what he's done. All his life, and these are the things of a man and that and that a powerful fighter and this disposition uh goes like goes about his day it goes about his goals you're just you just happen to be in the way right 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 yeah one of the things I love doing is i I love 
taking my non-player characters and you know you have <clears throat> you have kind of these columns you have allies and adversaries but uh just because somebody is good doesn't mean they're not an asshole right <laughs> you know and that's i i just i love that kind of dichotomy of, of character and you know as a as a game master you don't get to pick who the bbeg is sometimes yeah you know, I, I had a, I had a campaign that I ran a long time ago where the player characters went and accidentally released the prior era's BBEG. And when he was released, you know, he's this like just shy of God tier wizard. I mean, he's super powerful, super smart, uh, very charming. And he was like, oh, thank you so much for doing this. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you're the bad guy. And he's like, no, no, no. That's bad PR. Right. Yeah, I think you talked about this in the previous yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and, he, and he puts them to work for him. And then you've got in the world, you've, you've got this order of paladins. And they have been in control of the world for the past gener- you know, era. <laughs> and so, you know, they're, they were calcified and entrenched in their beliefs. And the head paladin, who was a good guy, I mean, you know, feeds he, the poor. he feeds the poor, he takes it, but, but, but he firmly believed that the poor were poor because God wanted them to be there. His God wanted them to be poor. Yeah. If his God didn't want them to be poor, he would have helped them out of poverty. Right. So, you know, I feed them because that is the right thing to do. This is the structure that my God has put in place so that I can do the right thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if my God lifted you out of poverty, well, then. What would my job be? <laughs> then, well, then how would I prove my how good I am? Yeah. And my, my piety. You know, and, and if I couldn't prove all this piety, then I couldn't be a paladin. And if I can't be a paladin, how can I defend you? Go be poor. Yeah. Sure. I mean, that's also interesting because uh, that's, that's also pretty super interesting because it also talks about this is a quick tangent. Brindley Mulligan had a, a, a talk where he was like, it's interesting playing evil characters because you suddenly realize when you're in their mind how much their what they do in their worldview just builds upon itself. How much that, uh, like, if you struggle against them, they go, they go, see, they don't know their place. And the more you build on that narrative, the more it supports that character. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And, and like, you can be, again, like a, a quote, a heavy quotation marks, good person, but then you're like, oh, you're poor. That's your lot. So I, I think there's a, an important distinction, especially when we're talking about kind of the gamesmanship of Dungeons and Dragons is that, you know, there's, there's kind of two aspects to the BBEG. There's the stats aspect and then the personalities aspect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the stats aspect, we kind of touched on that a little bit. You know, we don't be afraid to, to change it up. Um, they're guidelines more than actual rules. Um, you know, I, I'm here to tell you that when with my BBEGs, I typically, I don't stat block them. You know, mm-hmm. if they need to have a power that is appropriate within their stat block, they've got it and they can use it. And, you know, they are not bound and constrained by the same rules that a player's handbook has. They just yeah. can't be. Um, you know, the, the game from a metagame perspective is all about action economy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you've got one big bad guy, whether it's a dragon or uh, a lich or Gary, evil underlord, of, of the nine hells it doesn't matter um you have to be able to make an encounter or a fight with that guy versus this team of upwards of you know, you know we've been in a game with what nine player characters I and mean, it was yeah it was bonkers um it was fun but it was bonkers it was insane <laughs> a lot of, a lot of player characters and you know and a lot of different personalities it was it was a great time but it's very difficult to make a single in within the constraints of D and D's rules. It's very difficult to make one bad guy able to stand up again. I, I cast my one spell. Great, we wail on you nine, nine times. times. Yeah. So I, I, okay, I do it. I do it again. <laughs> and <laughs> right. then he does it. And then she does it. Yeah. And then we all do it. <laughs> right. You know. It, 
especially when you start talking higher levels, you know, you, you end up with a fighter. He's going to have what three or four attacks and then he's an action surge. He's going to do it again. Yeah. And that's just that one dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, and then the paladin comes in, he's going to smite you. And the, the paladin also dipped into fighter. He right. has three attacks and yeah. smites on all three of them. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it can be, it can be crazy. And then the wizard's going to drop in his meteor swarm, and yeah. it's all over. But for the crime. also, the wizard dipped into fighter. Action surge casts another spell. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Everyone dipped into fighter for some reason. It's I don't know. <laughs> it's almost like action surge is broken because it messes up the action economy. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, there's but we also love it. <laughs> so, wow. so from a player standpoint, um, like things that. I want to see or like players want to see in a, in a BBEG, like something that I like is like a consistent antagonistic force as you move through like your campaign, like something that's either an, an overarching issue that needs to be dealt with eventually, but like you just haven't got the strength to deal with that yet or whatever. Like in one of Caleb's campaigns, like we found a dragon egg. And so it's like been this impending doom on like, shit, what are we supposed to do with this <laughs> dragon egg? We don't want to give it to someone because they could be bad and the good guys won't take it because they don't want to deal with it. So now we're stuck with this dragon egg and what do we do with it? Okay, maybe we try to turn it to its mother. Uh, where's its mother? And then, you know, it's like, how do you how do you deal with this problem? And that's like a fun thing is that it doesn't have to be like, something that you're fighting it could be something that you're trying to deal with or like any kind of moral quandary <laughs> yeah it's just like what do i do with this magical artifact that i found that i don't want anybody else to have but i don't want to have either or like what do i do with the you know it, it basically anything and it doesn't have to be like a super complex like fight with this you know large dragon like it could be as simple as how your players uh deal with a situation that they can't get rid of necessarily very easily and that's also a fun like way to do it um like a bbeg too and just something that you have to deal with for a long term that's gonna come to the forefront eventually Right. It's building it eventually up. It's going to blow overwhelm up. your senses. And, and I, blow up in your face. And I, and I feel like this is kind of important for me to kind of clarify on what I just said a little while ago, is that when I say that the BBEG doesn't conform to the rules like everybody else, that's just the BBEG. I don't, I don't give, like, Lieutenant Number 4, I don't give him the same bonus action, bonus action mm -hmm. weird yeah. economy, yeah. you know, yeah. to... Uh, yeah, he he that that guy's not. Yeah, yeah, he's not special. Yeah, like the BBG, sure. But the also, BBGs. like or most like, yeah. most um like the PC build is different than the NPC build, and that like NPCs, monsters, whatever can have abilities that wouldn't be necessarily achievable for every class. Well, I think that, you know, D&D is a game, they try to address this a little bit with things like lair actions um, to kind of combat this. Uh, the rigidness of what is D&D combat. Right, and action economy and, you know, but, but again, the problem, it kind of gets back to what we talked about in, in, in building encounters is that, you know, it D&D is such a nuanced and varied game and, you know, our table will look very different from your table. will look very different from an Adventurers League table. will look very different from, you know, a whole slew of tables. Mm -hmm. And even even when you're talking about kind of a rigid rule set like Adventurers League, it it's there's still so much variety. Yeah, you know that <clears throat> you never know when when you're starting a game when your players are going to roll up and you're like, all right, we're going to play a team of bards, and you're like, oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, team of bards. Okay, erase that dragon. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, you, 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 uh, next to white, like when it says white dragon, you cross out white and you write in rock dragon. <laughs> or, or 
sexy. Sexy dragon. <laughs> sexy <Yes>. dragon. <laughs> Sexy-er dragon. Sexy-er yeah. dragon. Then they're just going to want to adopt it. <laughs> <laughs> These are bards. They do not want to adopt that dragon. I will tell you <laughs> this straight up. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's it's really cool to see, I don't know, like, see a campaign develop these uh bad guys over the course of like however long you play your campaign but it's i don't know i think it's really fun to just be like oh remember that one guy that we met like 10 sessions ago yeah he's like a really bad wizard guy and it's gonna fuck us up in 15 levels like and just like seeing that progression is a really fun thing and like even right now in the Monday Night campaign that you guys play in, like, you've already met one of the big antagonistic forces. You guys just haven't put the pieces together yet. Like, I just put it right there, there in front of you, and you're like, you're like, huh, wonder what that is. And I was just like, <laughs> come on, guys. <laughs> it doesn't seem weird to you. Like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Time to make money. <laughs> hmm, let's go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> let's go buy magical clothing. Yeah. And and again, you know, I I think that it's important to say just uh, sometimes it's the difference between what your character knows and what you as a player know. And some people are really good at separating that. Yeah. So, like, I think I know who the big bad is in, in your Monday night game. I, I just, I've got a pretty good sense. I look at the lay of the land. I'm like, yeah, I bet it's them. But, uh, you know. Well, now I'm interested to hear your, your theories, <laughs> but that'll be after the podcast. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. With players, you know, or your player character, your player character is not somebody playing a game. There's somebody living their life. And right. I, I, when I play my player characters, I, I try to play them true to who they are and with an eye towards their growth arc. Mm-hmm. You know, like Rold starts off as kind of a cowardly character. And time and time again, he gets thrust into these fights. And he's like, but I like these people. <laughs> right? And, you know, I, this is the first time I felt comfortable around people like, you know, you know, I still sleep with my back to the door. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like literally leaning against, against the, the door. door. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, you know, he'll, he'll take food from them and he wouldn't take food from anybody in his past. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, survival thing. Sure. Yeah. You have this kind of growth that's going on with the character. And I just love that. But he's not going to necessarily look and say, oh, where's the... Where's the narrative structure in this? Yeah. What's the, where yeah. is the big guy that we're supposed to fight soon? Yeah, uh, right. So where's the guy wearing, you know, a dark cloak in the corner of a tavern with, you know, uh, a, a crown made of iron and a false arm and three <laughs> floating sentient spheres of fire? Hmm. Huh. That's weird. Okay, let's go over here and get some more muffins. Right, yeah. Bagels! We're bagels! Bagels! All right. Well, I think that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, I think that's the title of the episode, too. This is Bagels. Bagels. (laughs) Bagels. Bagels or zombie water. (laughs) Bagels, zombie water. Uh, We'll see you next time, guys. Thanks for joining us. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye.